Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone, I'm Guile, and tonight I am joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Kama. Hi, I'm Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. And we're joined with returning guest Mitch. Hey, it's Mitch, and you still can't find me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mysterious. And tonight we're beginning, we're off of Tyrion finally, and we're beginning a series of special episodes. And tonight's episode is going to have a focus on Jamie and Brienne in the endgame of A Song of Ice and Fire. And I just want to give our standard spoiler warning. Um, at this point, of course, there's literally probably nothing we can spoil. And um, trigger warnings for, I mean, rape and violence, the usual. So um, I wanted to start out tonight with a couple of general questions around um, Jamie and Brienne in the end game. And I wanted to start with really probably the broadest question, which is, do you guys think that Jamie and Brienne will both make it to the end game if we define the end game as um, the humans versus the others? Yes, like not the end of the book, but like that point where they're yeah. battling. Yeah, I think they'll make it to that point. I won't say that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Jamie. I'm not sure. I kind of doubt it. So, um, Mitch, do you have, Mitch, do you have, a, have an opinion? Yeah, I don't have. That? I don't have any good reasoning, but maybe I'm just optimistic, and I I feel pretty good about their chances. <laughs> So, for those of you that, you know, it sounds like we all pretty much agree that Brienne's in it for the end game. But if Jamie, you know, if Jamie goes before, do you have any kind of thought about the scenario that that might happen? Where, when he's going to go out? Oh, God. I mean, I'm, I'm a little leery of him getting away from King's Landing or Cersei if he ever goes back there. Just because of shit from the show, really. I mean... Before that, I used to always think he was going to, you know, like, go north and be part of the deal. Does anyone think that one of them is going to bite it with Lady Stoneheart? Not anymore. No, no, I don't think that. Yeah, I think there was points where I might have thought that early in. And is that the show's influence, do you think, the fact that that's that's skipped over? That's what I'm wondering, because if the show... Okay, so if Jamie, if that whole... You know, if that was a foiler or whatever it was where Jamie sort of goes north, then he goes back and then he ends up like, you know, killing Cersei and all that drama happens, something like that happens and he dies in King's Landing after he goes north. Then I wonder, like, well, does he not go north at all? And they just added that in just to add some little, you know, if that was the ending anyway, it was going to be in King's Landing. I don't know. So I sort of, sorry, I veered off. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if he... um um, if he kills Cersei, I've kind of always thought that might be the case. 
it's like I really thought that at one point. Now I'm starting to think it again because of the 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 you know whatever if they're real or not the spoilers. Like I thought that, and then I was convinced it wasn't going to happen, and now I'm like, well, maybe it does because the show is possibly leaning that way. And uh, we just had another. We have another guest, Rachel, joining us. And Rachel, I just we were really discussing. Um, you know, do we think that Jamie and Brienne are going to make it to the end game if we if we determine the end game is the battle of people versus the others? Oh, okay. Uh, I uh, gut instinct. I feel like Brienne might have a better chance at that than Jamie. I don't know why I'm saying that. That's just like my knee jerk reaction. No, and that you know that definitely seems to be the consensus, which I guess you know brings me to another question: Is why are we all so certain that Brienne's going to make it? <laughs> like, what of George R. R. Martin and his past, his past performance, if you will, has led us to such optimism? Uh, I, th- I think for me, it's because she's one of the most uh, clear-cut heroic characters, and it seems like you would want to have, if. If the final climax is a battle of some kind, it seems like you would want to have that presence there and say something about it, whether it fails or succeeds or what. Like, you would want to have that uh, in there symbolically. And I guess that's why that's my instinct. And it'd be a waste Whereas of Jamie's, fighter. <laughs> you know, Yeah, well, that, yeah. And she has the magic sword. Like, it's just, it's all there. I, I kind of, I mean, what I want to hope, and I'm probably stupid and naive here, but I want to hope... Maybe this has something to do with the dumpster fire that is my life, um, our lives in America right now. But I want to believe that it's been so dark in the books. It's gotten so bad. And there's the, um, what is it, the night, or the, there's a quote he has, or old man has, like the light before the dawn, or the night, you know, like at some point, or the light that brings the dawn, that some of the more fundamentally decent characters are going to triumph. And I think Brienne is one of those characters. Now I'm probably going to be grossly disappointed and, you know, I don't know what else he could do. Well, there's always more he could do to her, but I want to believe that there's going to be that, that moment where, you know, these characters like Davos and Brienne and Pod, who are fundamentally decent people through and through, are going to, like, triumph. I have to believe in something. And since I'm probably never going to get this, that's what I'm going with. Well, I think you bring up a good point, too. If You know, if she's going to die before the final battle, would, you know, would she have to get her face eaten off before? Yeah. The, oh, gosh. I mean, what is up with that? I don't, God, just all of it, like, and also, why, if she's, okay, if she's going to die at the final battle, okay, why is Jamie, okay, wouldn't it seem too, like, repetitive if she loses yet another love, like, if he dies, you know, before, like, that, that seems repetitive too, doesn't it seem cliche, or like, why would George do that, why would have Renly die and have Jamie die too, I don't know, it seems, uh, just kind of boring. Just... <laughs> Just like spitballing. She's just um, her I life is hopeless. To... Her face gets eaten, and she dies at the end. <laughs> and all her boyfriends die too, or or her loves, you know, her crushes. Uh... <laughs> were, uh, what, what were you gonna say there, Rachel? Oh, um, I spitballing. I feel like uh, if it, the only reason I could think of to have Jamie die as a 
as a like a fridging moment for Brienne uh, would be to compare like how she reacts to Renly's death versus how she relax re- reacts to Jamie's death. I presume second death. Uh, like if if Stoneheart dies, um, if if that's like a see how she reacts to Renly with all of this like rage and hurt and swearing to kill Stannis and then if she reacts differently somehow to Jamie's death then that would be a if she's not uh, like a character growth um but if she's not devastated I mean isn't that I don't know that's sort of I wouldn't want to see her just bounce back and I I mean I don't know what the reaction (laughs) the different reaction would be that's just the only thing I could think of as a way to keep it from not just being a I mean you could make an argument that if she loses Jamie, it would be kind of an impetus to yeah. focus on, on, you know, like, say, Sansa or Arya or, you know. That's blah. I know. I get it. But that's like house. blah yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you can't forget with Brienne that Ugh. there are huge dunk parallels that George yeah. is playing with here that um, – maybe some of the biggest things that he's planning to do. We really don't know, you know? I mean, I, I think he wrote her POV for a reason, and I think that that, that is one of the reasons. So when you talk so about tragic. the Dunk parallels, you know, we the little that we know of Dunk's ending is that, you know, there's, in the world of Ice and Fire, I think there's a reference to, like, a, a part of a piece of paper that ref- references the Lord Commander, you know, saving someone or someone's from the fire at, at Summer Hall and kind of having that um, yeah. having that final rescue moment. So, I mean, you know, is that kind of, you know, Brand's fate is to Should be, Danny's. be that, mm. you know, be that final rescuer, you know, mm. if it's going to follow Dunk's fate that, that closely. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I know everybody thinks the last hero is John, but I always heard, so many echoes of like dunk in the tale of the last hero. And I've always been a little afraid that it would somehow end up being Brienne. Hmm. I've always thought it's Bran. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know, with Jamie specifically, I think there's this aspect of these battling prophecies that I, I think it makes it hard to figure out if what, you know, what his role in the end game is going to be. And, you know, the, obviously there's the Valencar prophecy, but actually not battling prophecies, maybe um, battling visions and prophecies where there's the Valencar prophecy and then balance with his vision, his weirwood visions before he jumps into the bear pit where he has the visions of, you know, these icy versions of Rhaegar and the Kingsguard that the description of it is really similar to um, how the others are described in their chapters. And so it's, you know, is that... Is that his fate to be battling the others, or you know, is his fate mm. killing his sister? Is it both? Um, you know, is there a scenario you can envision where all of that's true? <laughs> it's like it's like an eight hundred page book. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna say it about book twelve. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Does I mean does it change for you all? Have you had like steady feelings for? I feel like mine mutates all the time. Like I've had t- yeah. a, couple, a couple years where I yeah. felt one year, a couple years where I felt one way. Or <laughs> I just feel like geographically and time wise, I don't see how Jamie can go back to King's Landing. Like I can envision Agreed. him having <clears throat> a scenario where he ends Cersei 
at Casterly Rock, but I I don't mm-hmm. see him being able to get back to King's Landing in like while she would still be there in any semblance of power, given that, you know, you have Egan kind of breathing down, yeah. um, breathing down their neck at that point. So it seems like something is more likely to happen at the rock than, than in King's Landing. I mean, to be fair, I think he might've meant to eventually work Jamie back there, but I agree with you mm-hmm. that the reality um, of the way he set things up, I don't understand how it will work, and I kind of wonder if he's maybe switching oh, away from that because like of it. Like switching Jamie and Tyrion a little bit, or back again, maybe something. I mean, oh, that's you an know, interesting idea. Yeah, I, whatever he intended when he was writing Feast, I, mm. I, I don't know. You can kind of just read between the lines. I think a little bit shifted with Dance. He he got some concept that he needed to to rework some things and speed them, some things up, which is not to say that he's actually doing that. But. And I wonder if he'll <laughs> use the reaction from the, you know, whatever they ended on the show, I wonder if that will influence at all, like how he ended it, you know, depending on if reaction is positive, like, negative, or... He would uh, do the it. exact opposite. So let's hope they, maybe they'll do Valencor and he'll do the opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, they haven't, you know, that's the thing, is like they haven't actually touched that. Well, I mean, they haven't, obviously haven't touched Jamie's Weirwood dream either. But I mean, like, you know, even though they don't say the prophecy, like, they still have him kill her, basically. You know, not that they're going to build yeah. up the prophecy now, but just that they have him kill her. Right, I mean, clearly in the show he's going to yeah. kill her. Like, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, no doubt about it. Um, no. So, in the show, we know that Jamie's acquired Widow's Whale, and I think, you know, it's one of those things that, like, Fanon sort of was so strong in that that we almost like forget that it actually hasn't happened in canon and <laughs> you know do we all just assume that he's going that he's going to get widow's whale yeah cuz i mean like in the dream they're both both swords are glowing blue and it's the kind of two halves of the same sword and like yeah that's i mean i for me i'm like yeah that's I mean, if it, it doesn't happen, I don't feel like I'm going to be, like, robbed or anything. But it also, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. let's go re- tinfoily. What's the <laughs> what's the purpose of, you know, besides, like, the marriage imagery and, like, the stuff that's personal to Jamie and Brienne, you know, what's, like, the overall purpose of them having, you know, having these two match, matched magical swords, essentially? Like, what are your scenarios for what that really means for like a final battle? <laughs> they raise them like He-Man and She-Ra, and they start. I mean, <laughs> lightning comes up exactly and it's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm oh thinking my God. of. <laughs> Zooms up to the sky and <laughs> cracking. Yeah, I mean, like huge like bolts of lightning going up and like yes. yeah, and the echoing the voices. <laughs> and then it turns out they, uh, the that the Night King is real, and it's Skeletor. <laughs> Here we go. We solved it. We can go home now. Ice King. Yeah, the Ice Night King is Skeletor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he comes zooming out of the sky in a zombie jacket like, yeah! <laughs> oh, man, it would be so much better than what we're going to get. <laughs> the show, at least. <laughs> You know, do you do you think you know? I, I've read recently read some series on Widow's Whale on Widow's Whale and Oathkeeper and Ice, and you know, there's always the oh, it's going to be reforged and John will have it, or you know, it's like never hmm. the 
a lot of the meta sort of takes the swords out of Jamie and Brienne's hands and puts them in someone else's hands, mm-hmm. which is, you know, to me, I'm just going to go on a soapbox here. Like the writer of the books explicitly puts them in their hands. So I feel yes. like they have them, you know, they have them for a reason. And I don't know if it's just because there is going to be this pitched battle that, you know, there are two warriors in a bat, you know, two warriors in a battle. So they're going to have like magic swords because they're going to be like two of the best warriors. I don't know if it's that simple. That would be cool. I mean, well, who, I mean, so what's going to happen to Longclaw then? Like, why does John need another sword? I don't well, think he does. I think, <laughs> I mean, they make such a point of talking about who's got the Valerian steel swords that I, I kind of assume that that has to, play a part in it well then that's another issue if jamie did die then who the hell gets the sword and who is good enough to like i mean i guess jamie still has to learn how to fight properly with it but like yeah yeah, who has widow's whale yeah you know it's it's funny i was rereading some terry pratchett i don't know if you guys are familiar with him um hysterical fantasy author very tongue-in-cheek all sorts of puns great stuff and he's got this this one character who it, it just totally reads like, you know, abandoned, raised by dwarves. And the thing that he's got that makes everybody like take notice is he has a perfectly ordinary non-magical sword. <laughs> That's great. You know, there's nothing. <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, you think about it and you think about all the various, you know, from King Arthur on yeah. down with the magic sword and the, you know, but sorry, little segue. <laughs> um, do you, I mean, is it just that they're some of the people that are going to take down others in a battle? You know, is it really just as simple as that? Like they're armed because they're going to be, you know, have those moments. I, I do kind of wonder, I mean, with Sam, I kind of wonder if Sam's part at the Citadel was supposed to be more extensive, is going to be more extensive if we get the books. And maybe there's something in there about figuring out, like, it's interesting which families have these swords. Mm-hmm. And they're not, it's, it, they're all over the seven kingdoms. Like, were they some sort of legacy? You know, I, I kind of wonder if there's oh. some way they all tie together. Yeah. Not I mean, literally, you know, you know, Skeletor moment, but you know, <laughs> We like, know that every, you know, there's not, is there a Valerian steel in the Riverlands? I mean, there's not in the Westerlands. Oh, the I don't one, believe wasn't so. The, the, was that Valerian steel? The one, um, no, Jarian? There are. There are. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that actually exists. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that not one that's like lost on a boat now. or wherever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> there, I think there are. I think George said there are three or four hundred in Western. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. Just it's just that the Lannisters don't have one. I think right. there are some in the Westerlands yeah. with other you know, actually, there's, he's got, there's a list on the, the wiki, and a lot of them are actually not, in fact, other than ice. Most of these are, you know, secondary houses. Hmm. Right. I mean, it's like Tarly, Corbray, Mormont, Harlow. I mean, yeah. they're they're names, but and they're important, but they're not. Yeah. These aren't the I um, mean, Tullys. These aren't um, the Tyrells. Yeah, these right. are, you look know, how poor. Look how poor the Mormonts are, and yet they have one. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you think about what that could have bought. Hmm. Yeah. Some like trinkets yeah, for, for George's for wife. wife. <laughs> well, that, I like to think that's why Commander Mormont made sure to take it with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
actually like really good thought there. You are like, like, oh, there's no way that hussy is gonna, you know. And I mean, although I do sympathize a little bit with um, what's her name? Um, Liness. Liness. Slightly, I can't imagine like going to live there, but I I do kind of wonder if that sort of a. Well, I'm taking the good china. There's no way so-and-so is going to get their hands on it. <clears throat> Getting back to uh, Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale, I maybe this is controversial, but I feel like it's not necessarily even important that they're Valyrian steel as as much as it is that they're just from the same sword. Like, I feel like it's just Valyrian steel because, like, obviously the Stark family sword would be... But then I really like. I feel like just the fact that they're from the same sword, and brands like carrying out James, like a shared vow, you know. Yeah, like it ties them together. Yeah, no, it's you know the whole imagery of you know them sharing a sword and, and you know the imagery of a marriage like that way. I think. And I like, think it's I really important for them as a couple. If neither of them encounter like others or you know anything that would aside from just like the general usefulness of the sword like anything yeah, that's like, special like the magic sword imagery is is like a misdirect and it isn't going to be important after all and something else is going to be important instead yeah i'm well i mean i just think the important thing is that they're they're from the same sword and they're like protecting starks with the swords or, <laughs> you know trying to the- i'm also like pretty skeptical that they will end up in like some final confrontation with others. Well, like well, they'll yes, be dead it's... by then. No, <laughs> or just not there at that. Point. <laughs> yeah, the like the the assumption that there is going to be a a great final battle between the others is is uh, or the others and the living people is sort of a like it's definitely going to happen in the show, but that seems like the kind of thing that George might want to avoid in the books. Is that so what you how... meant? Yeah, um, and it, like, I mean, I could, I could, I mean, I think there's obviously going to be more confrontation, but as, as like, far as like a final battle, I feel like that's, I mean, just my personal view, yeah. it seems less likely. Maybe they're so all how do you see, areas. yeah, I mean, how, so how do you see like an ultimate defeat of, or, you know, re- defeat or retreat of the others? Is it more supernatural than, than like a, ba- like a typical battle? Mm. Generally, I just doubt things instead of actually offering alternatives. <laughs> I love it. Hey, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess from like like the, his Thousand Worlds books and some like how things have sort of ended, there will either be like some kind of like diplomatic ending that'll still involve just like a lot of death, but like hmm. not through war I think or hmm. just like, I guess, total destruction of everything. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just really have a hard time imagining like some really awesome, like dragons and, and hmm. zombies going at it. I mean, for my money, I do think there will be an epic final battle. I feel like, um and i don't know i maybe the show has influenced that but i've always thought so uh just some of the prophecy garbage that's out there and the one that always has actually stuck with me is danny you know 
seeing the field of fire or whatever it is at the trident that seems kind of prophetic um but yeah i i don't know well I mean, I it would be unlike George to sidestep a battle. He doesn't seem to like writing him very much. I, I, I guess I could see a situation where, like, just to have a super bummer downer ending, you could have like the final battle, and the whole point of it is that it isn't final. Like how the war to end all wars wasn't that at all, yeah. and in fact, there was a significant oh, sequel later. Later. Um, so I, I could see how like you could subvert the final battle trope by having it be very definitely not at all final. And like that's kind of the tragedy of it. That there's this um, cycle that maybe, you know... Yeah. Just like there was but a I, cycle that brought them before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I agree, though, that like despite how much of a bummer the books tend to be, they don't strike me as a terribly cynical bunch of stories... Um, I don't know if it's just because I also listen to a whole bunch of true crime podcasts and my bar is rather high for awfulness. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that too. And I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I could see a situation where there's a diplomatic resolution and maybe the, like the ice zombies just kind of melt away be- somehow like it, there's, they are, rejected or uh what's the word that i am looking for where you turn something away you repel they are repelled yeah. um somehow via uh like a whole new wall gets sprung like, up but this time it's fire i don't know i, yeah, I don't like know different where I'm going spells with this, or some other different because the, the one thing that i mean that has always struck me with the the stories is that all the politicking, all the diplomacy and the, the traditional style battles and the machinations, all that stuff is useless against the others. And the show notwithstanding, and I think there's a Vuffsteak Martin about that, that the Night's King is, he's got it in there as a story, but that, that, that figure right. is not really the Night's King. That those you can't have that traditional kind of conflict or resolution with them, with the others. So I do kind of think there has to be some sort of battle. Um, well, I, I feel like since like they're called the others, that's like a hint that there is some level of misunderstanding. Like, I mean, I don't know. This this might be a little out there, but no, no. Like Craster worked out some kind of deal with them. Like they're yeah. not incapable of well like the last 10,000 years seems to be like some sort of negotiated truce you know but but I mean was it like did Craster sit down with one of them and say here I'm just gonna keep giving you my firstborn Craster has very good lawyers (laughs) or or was it something that he kind of started sacrificing his sons and because of that you know, they stayed the hell away from me. I'm, just like, I'm just like a hunch. I'm just going to kill my kids. Maybe they'll take them. <laughs> oh, let's just try this. I have a hypothesis. Yeah. Let's write down the results for science. Daughters and granddaughters and great-granddaughters. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot relatives. And I actually just listened to a podcast talking about some weird ass cult with this guy doing the same thing to his kids, not oh, sacrifice, but he, he literally had the boys like kept in a, like kind of a, 
like away from the girls because he was afraid they'd have sex. Mm. You know, so who knows? That's horrifying. Are, yeah. It is. It is. Sorry. Um, no, that's. It's interesting because I think in my mind, I definitely just assume that there will be a final. I, even in you know the notes I have, it's basically every assumption I make is that there will be a final battle. So it's good to have like that assumption, like pretty strongly questioned. Like, no, there really doesn't need to be. You know, the story doesn't need to be structured that way. You know, it's it, it very well could be something else completely. And, you know, maybe they fight to us. You know, there's some kind of fight. To I, a I guess it's just like we're finding these things out. We're finding mm-hmm. out that fire kills the whites, that Valerian steel has an effect on the, uh, you know, like we're finding out these sort of things that I feel will be. Well, and I think, you know, useful in the yeah. coming Did anyone read, there was a really good Reddit thread about, um, it was about analyzing the prologue and getting into, like, the fact that Waymar Royce um, looks like a Stark and that Mm. the others were hunting them and that they they want to see him and they are checking to see if he has a Valerian, like, they actually check Mm. to see if he has Valerian steel sword, like... There's something in the other's own lore that's basically saying, you know, a Stark is a danger, hmm. which, that's you know, perhaps, perhaps is what for. happens to Benjen. Benjen. But then, yeah. you know, also with, you know, with John later. But, you know, it's it's really, it's, you know, the only thing that makes me doubt it or feel like, oh, maybe they're not, they're not totally onto something is just that it's literally the prologue of a Game of Thrones. And it seems like George has probably changed his mind mm. a million times since it, it then. Was, but it's, it was a really good post. Yeah. It, it just, it, it and, did, it did, it did have some areas where the scrutiny kind of, it didn't hold up as well, but it was actually a really good post. And it, you know, to bring it back to Jamie and Brienne a bit, you know, as much as it sometimes I think can pain our fandom to be like, you know what? actually the story is about the Starks is that, you know, is their role, like they've, you know, Jamie and Brienne specifically have been given a role and accepted role as like protectors of the Starks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is that, sword, is yeah. that really the essence of their role is, you know, protecting the Starks? Uh, I mean, I would say for Brienne, yes that's clearly the case since that's what she's trying to do right now in the books. Um, Jamie to an extent, but you can tell that there are just other things going on with Jamie's story. I mean, this is why I've always thought Jamie and Brienne will, you know, despite the fact that they're together in the books right now and they clearly are doing something together, (laughs) whatever that may be. (laughs) But I I do think he's going to split them up in the books. Um, I should say he would if he wrote it. And I, so yeah, I, I, I don't know with Jamie, if I would say that his, his future is as stark focused as Brienne's is, but Brienne's definitely is. So, you know, who do you guys feel like they need to interact with before their story ends? Um, you know, for me, I feel like I need to see Jamie and Bran. Um, I kind of would like to see Brienne and Sansa, but you know, are there other, are there other characters that you know, it's important? <laughs> oh, I just think he's going to see him dead. No, no, no. 
And I don't ever have to see him dead because this book is never... Sorry. Um, (laughs) No, but I I do kind of think that Pod is... Pod maybe in at least in Brienne's future somewhere mm-hmm. um, or past. Who knows? Um, I kind of wonder about Gendry. For Brienne yeah, I or mean, for Jamie? I think for both of them. I think I think both of them, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, talk about if you want to talk about, like, you know, I mean. I mean, I think Jamie and John is important just because, you know, with John being Rhaegar's son, I think that's important mm. for Jamie. Danny, maybe for Jamie. I, I, <laughs> I really don't think that what the show did, I mean, I think it diverges pretty significantly with a lot of the stuff, or it's the execution. Like, mm. I'm willing to believe that, you know, Jamie has to go back to King's Landing or decides to go back to King's Landing, but I am 100% confident that it will make far more sense than whatever the hell the show does. Um, I mean, I guess Jamie, I guess I'm missing the obvious one too, which is Jamie and Tyrion. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cersei, I think, is in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't like want Jamie, them back Jamie's together. Got but a lot I think, of people to talk to before he dies. <laughs> he does. I mean, I think it's it's like, well, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe that's the irony. Maybe you know. I was gonna say George just doesn't care about things like that. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? I mean, I mean, like it, it would be like real life. I mean, like there are a lot. You have unfinished business with a lot yeah. of people, and you don't always yeah. like lose track, or you don't get to you know have that conversation yeah. with the person who was. I mean. Then I guess I feel like the person that Jamie most needs to talk to is John because you know he has all the information. Well, that's he doesn't the thing. need anything from Tyrion or Danny, but I feel like he kind of needs. Like I think you do something need from John. It, you know, like the show did that stupid ham-handed thing with Sam and the book and Gilly and all that other crap. But I mean, you do need somebody to explain this stuff. Yeah, because the people who know are starting to like Ned would know he's gone. Benjamin would know, you know, not around Howland yeah. Reed gets touted all over Reddit and everywhere else. But, you know, I don't know if we're ever actually going to meet him. The people who know or who can figure it out. There are not many of them. I mean, I mean it's to, the, yeah, you know, in the books, it's really Howland Reed that knows. And then you would think that, you know, you would think that given some circumstantial evidence that both Barristan and Jamie could figure it out. Right. So I think it's some, if that's the case, if you need the characters to, if you need to explain it, then that might be like something that George has to figure out or likely has written himself into a corner is now trying to figure (laughs) out like, you know, how to get around that. Because, I mean, it's some kid who's saying he's got a vision that you're a sand or whatever the hell it is. Um, or that you were legally married. I mean, like, I you got to figure out how are you going to, not that Jamie would know that. But, I mean, you have to, there's certain pieces of data that have to be shared. So how do you get that across? Yeah. I do think Jamie and Bran would make a nice, Yeah, I mean, it would be not nice, but I mean, it would be a satisfying thing to get that because I feel like that is the least likely thing mm-hmm. to happen. It's just too, too You're nice so for George. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could see. I mean, like, Bran... no, I agree. I absolutely want it to happen, but oh, like, yeah. they're so geographically far apart and the 
narrative hoops you'd have to jump through to get them together. I mean, I'd love it if it happened, but I, I'm not sure it's a, I'm not sure it would be a priority enough. And like, it's it's yeah, like it would be too a little too clean somehow. To like the hoops you'd have to jump through would make it so clean. If that makes sense. Do you think Bran will? uh, Do you think in the books that Bran will ever be south of the wall? Yeah. No, I think he's going to get absorbed into tree juice, and he's just gonna. No, I don't think so. Be the router forever. Why? (laughs) I've I've always thought he would get south again. I think. I think what's happening to the Stark kids, and it's happening to at least to um, Sansa, Arya, and um, Bran, is that. Actually, presumably Rickon, who's for you know young enough to not remember shit, oh, man, yeah. is that they are losing. But we'll talk about the three who we know. I mean, they are literally sort of trying to fight to keep their starkness. That they are losing their identity because they are either being actively forced to pretend to be someone else, or it's just a psychological mechanism. And I think what we've seen with the sample chapters for Mercy and for Sansa, even is that they're they're there. I think that's part of it, is they are sort of fighting to reemerge and to become the kid, you know, to become who they're supposed to be. And I think Bran, at some point, it, no, he's not going to be the router. I think at some point he becomes Bran Stark again. No, that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah, I've I've always thought he was gonna. I like that was the least surprising thing in the show to me. I know a lot of people were surprised when Bran went south of the wall, but I've always thought he would. I never thought he would just stay north of the wall. Yeah, so I mean, as much as we hate parts of the show, like some of that is probably pretty accurate. You know, the the framework. I think it's like it's having to figure out what pieces are legit. Mm. What pieces they've misinterpreted mm-hmm. or just didn't know how to set up. Like, I could conceive, and um, I could conceive a plot where Stannis kills Shireen. Oh yeah, for sure. But I am confident that if that happens, that it's going to make much more sense than it did in the show. Yeah, and, and more of that would have happened if the the relationship between George and them became more strained than if there was less like, you know, feedback, oh hey, you know, could you give us a little detail what you think's going to happen well, here and then, I, you know. I think it's likely, simply yeah. that that you know, Jon Snow is the star of the of the TV I, show and that yeah. he was given Stannis's plot in wins essentially. I, I think if you or look back and you look back at the interactions and what we saw in interviews, it was the inevitable decline of people who were never really going to find, I mean, they had common ground to begin with, but they grew more confident about what they were doing. They have their favorites. And as they diverged and he of course, doesn't make it easy because he's real. He's that guy going, well, you know, the costume should be a light green and you should film it from (laughs) that. And that's gotta be so irritating. And I think then of course the book wasn't coming out and I think it just got so sour, but I don't think that was ever going to be, I think it was inevitable. So to, you know, to bring it back to Jamie, to Jamie and Brienne again, um, I just, I have a general question. Do you guys think that they have a destiny? You know, is Jamie, was Jamie destined to be the one that pushed Bran and, you know, put him in this state to have that third eye awaken? You know, is, 
does yeah. Brienne have a destiny as you know the Our, descendant of Donk? No, I don't. How are we defining destiny? Is it like, what do you mean, like, like it was foretold? Foretold or like a foregone conclusion? No. You know, are they are they puppets essentially? You know, no. is there are they no. puppets on you know Blood no. Raven's They're, strings? They are absolutely not puppets because I feel like a lot of George's underlying subtext is about well right I mean like he goes on about the human heart in conflict with itself and the expression of that is through people's choices so they have to be making their own choices or else there's no story mm-hmm. here in yeah. this in this particular story that has to be true at least I, I that's so, my feeling so, so maybe not how do you oh go ahead I was just gonna say so maybe not puppets, but maybe something an entity utilizing what it perceives to be their character, like the, I mean characters as yeah. in your personality, like you know maybe like the, if you you're know, reading if, into hey if, if say, I do this will this thing do this I don't know. Well, and I think yeah. there's such a motif or there's such a repeat. There's so many instances in Brienne's feast chapters of of you know the ra- there's ravens and then there's that like I think Russian version of her final chapter where you know there's like yeah. a rush of. The rush of ravens, which you know we interpret as you know blood raven, essentially um, trying to fuck with what's happening. Yeah, I mean it could be feasible that it's watching everything oh, and sort of in- yeah. injecting, yeah. you know, more than but just. It's you almost know. like little finger, but yeah. on a more mystical. Yeah, not level, like a but... like a not like you know strings, but more like you know, hey, let's. But <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's the idea that you're fated that you know it's not like um, what's his name? Um, oh God, that's stupid play it's not oedipus rex where no matter what you do he's gonna kill his father and marry his mother i don't think it's like that i think it's like oh this has happened i have this intel what can i do to make this happen but on more of a mystical level or magical level i mean but i think what kyle's getting at like is you know is either blood raven or someone in the weirwoods fucking with things to do with jamie and brianne and i categorically think yes because Mm -hmm. When you read Bran's chapter in um, A Game of Thrones, the ravens are fucking everywhere when he's climbing that goddamn tower. Yeah. I mean, like, yes, Blood Raven is fucking with things for sure. Like, for sure, setting things up in certain ways. Like, Plus I have Jamie's, no doubt. Jamie's dream on the Werewood Stump. Yeah. And, you know, even the fact that he's at Penny Tree where there's, you know, all of the. All of the is it the Ravens at Penny Tree or are they at Black Thorn Hall or both? It's there, Ravenwood. 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 Okay. Ravenwood. Yeah, I mean, hence the name, probably. Yeah, but I mean, they're definitely they're they're chapters in Feast. It's like they're being followed around by by ravens, like they're being watched. And I, and I think you know, yeah, you know, Brienne Brienne doesn't step out into the rain with no chance and no choice because. You know, Blood Raven's making her do that. You know, obviously, like that's her. That that you know, no one else gets credit, or you know, no one else yeah, is making yeah. her do that. But there is an extent to I think that there's been some entity that has been doing whatever it could to keep her alive for yeah. something. And I don't think it takes away from the story. I mean, there, I mean, I think human beings look for meaning in everything. I mean, even whatever our beliefs are, even if you, you know, yeah. secular people who don't have it, it's just, I almost feel like it's human nature to try to find some sort of connection between why things are happening, whether it's scientific it or not. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Magical it just thinking. adds another layer to the, you know, it's just, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a very deep philosophical debate about <laughs> whether any human yeah. being actually can have free will. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to solve on our little podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna, you, you're since not they're fictional the characters, they legit have no free will. <laughs> but I don't so think it makes that, it any less, you know, interesting to me. So I, I think it's fine. You know. I have a, I have a question though. In, in that vein, um, if it's well documented that there are all those ravens sort of watching them, is that something? Um, I haven't done a lot of rereads for like every single character. Is that something that is consistent across all of the POVs or is it like, are the Ravens more highly concentrated in certain POVs than others? Like are, are Jamie and Brienne being watched and Bran being watched specifically more than like Theon? Theon's being watched quite a bit. Yeah, you know, now I want to see, you know, have you remember a couple years ago, somebody went through the books and had post-it notes for all the characters who died. Yeah. Yes, oh, I want to see, see this for ravens. ravens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's like the gray, like a gray mist is another one that people mm-hmm. thought was like weirwood or blood raven related. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't offhand, but it feels like it feels like Jamie, Brienne, Bran, a lot of Theon. Theon. Um, definitely those characters Sansa? have it more. Is Sansa being watched? Well, she, it's... I don't think as much, or if, because she's in the veil. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to remember now, because when she's in King's Landing, I mean, she's probably one of the few characters who's gone more over to the, a little more centered at the Faith of the Seven, but, you know, after shit goes down, she's in the Godswood all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if she does that in the veil. I can't remember. But I think doesn't the veil? They don't have a god's wood because they couldn't grow. Oh, that high! They can't grow the trees that high or that big, unless they don't have know. werewoods. I don't know if they yeah. have a god's wood, but that should answer it, right? She can't be watched there. Well, if they have either ravens, I don't know. Oh, I guess they definitely have ravens. Yeah, and and that and kind I of mean, makes you know, John has a lot of raven in her. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, John, of course. <laughs> But it does make me feel like, you know, there, you know, Jamie and Brienne have kind of been followed and and put it, you know, kind of followed and guided in some of their actions in a way that makes me, and you know, the fact that we think that they're going to have like these two magic swords and they're, you know, they hold a vow to protect the Starks, and we think that, you know, there's something particularly special about the Starks in the battle versus the others, and it just seems like. There's a lot of there's a lot of machinations going on to make sure that they're there at a certain wherever there is yeah. that they're at that time and place with you know weapons that are effective. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> so they they can die there. Um, <laughs> so I had a. When we were talking about diplomatic endings earlier, instead of a big final battle, it did occur to me, and it kind of ties in with you just saying about uh, making sure that one that they're there with the right weapons in the right place at the right time. Um, since Jamie's character arc has been about learning to avoid confrontations, what if um, his role in the final battle is in fact a diplomatic one and the pen being mightier than the sword like he's not armed with like he doesn't relearn how to fight well and he doesn't become a great swordsman again and his great weapon that he brings to the table is his newfound 
diplomacy and like being a good person-ness. Well, and that's kind of what I, I kind of agree in the sense of, and I've just, you know, recently been in Twitter debates about this, that I feel like a lot of his feast arc is precisely that. Like he's being positioned in such a way that he is someone that could potentially, you know, lead this force of, of different families and, and houses that, you know, frankly hate each other, hate him hate you know every hate everything but he is sort of the one person at this point that i think that a lot of people would follow in yeah. you know in a battle against it, the others if he doesn't use well, as well i think he should give it to pod and then he can <laughs> well i mean i've been thinking when you guys have been talking about diplomacy i've been thinking of like you know something between Westeros and the others, but no, what if the diplomacy, and this is maybe what you've all been thinking, and I've just been slow, but if the diplomacy is getting all of these different right. factions on the same page about how to handle things, yeah, and I mean, turning I think into, that's... that makes more sense to me. And then they I feel like them. that's what he's been set up to be someone that could conceivably do that. I mean, it's sort of like a boring fate, like, you get to be the guy that, like, Gets everyone well, golden hand the just unless in some respect I well I mean if he goes out doing that I don't know but you know yeah I'd be into it but then if that's all, <laughs> isn't there the whole theory about that is that still a thing or was that ever about him being the who whatever the the uh, no god commander of the no Night's Star Watch the Night's Watch I or, don't even understand how yeah, I don't hell, know where that came like, from but yeah it's just so like. <laughs> And then Jamie will be the commander of the Night's Watch, and <laughs> Brienne will be in the King's. Like, oh, I know that's like the, I know that's like as blah to me as like Brienne just being utilized as like a savior for Sansa. It's kind of like, Meh. or you know, Brienne will be her bodyguard, and like, yeah, oh, or Danny, or die. Yeah, like, yeah, I know that's just like, like I would rather they die, honestly, than than that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, no, like I genuinely feel that way too. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, if Jamie and <laughs> what are they going to be sending Lord, ravens the... to each other like sad, you know? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> for the rest of their lives, like lives. dancing around like feelings, like oh God, torment. That would just, yeah. It, <laughs> it was just so like, it's just there's a faction of the fandom that you know Jamie could literally defeat the other single handedly on his own. And they'd still be like, Benny, push Brian. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I just, just get over it. Sorry. You need better friends, go. <laughs> uh, um, so I have, you know, I have a final question for you guys about, about Jamie and Brian in the end game. And it's really, you know, how are they going to be remembered? Do you think? Ooh, I love this one. Cause like, there's that theory that's, well, okay, no, never mind. Um, that yeah, like if if they're like they'll be warped in in songs in the future, and that Brienne will become like remembered as a great beauty, yeah. and like oh, be, mm-hmm. be kind yeah. of inverted like that, and that Jamie will be Golden Hand the Just or some like which mm-hmm. I hope not because it's a dumb name, but <laughs> something like that. Um, like I, I, that's a really great, interesting question, and I do feel like the final chapter of the book is gonna be like a bard in a tavern somewhere singing about all of these characters, and we have to like figure out, oh God, is that supposed to be no? Like that's the final. Something, and we get our music. That would down. totally work. Dripping <laughs> down his chin as he sings, yeah. it's like a well, hobbit. I mean, it was very like a nod to Tolkien type thing where there's music. Well, and, and 
George has done this throughout the books with the various, the legends and the stuff and the way the stories get sort of changed. And I, I could see that. Well, I, I mean, totally even with, that. with Jamie and Brienne, he's written like the AU fan fictions of them that yeah. are already like the mythical version, you know, Galadon of Morn and, yeah. um, you know, the just May or the, you know, the maiden and, yeah. um, you know, there's all these other versions of them. So, like, you know, Golden Hand the Just and Brienne the Beauty being, you know, these mythical heroes of the future doesn't seem like too much of a stretch. Yeah. I feel like there's a good chance that at least one of them will have some kind of, like, reputation-ruining <laughs> final act. Like a Kingslayer like, level of, like, you un- like secretly it was honorable, but everyone will remember them as scum well so, I mean, they, they've already got that going on though yeah i mean i, mean, I guess they, they both they have call, that now. yeah but the brienne is the kingslayer's whore and um she killed a king and i mean and if, if she he's, uh, he's been living that life or... for a long time so i don't know that they have no, much of yeah. a reputation left to ruin at this point uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good I point would, i would argue that maybe um that's sort of because, like, I, I feel like a lot of their subtext is that question of what you do in the dark. You know, like, if you if you do something good in the name of being remembered well, like, that it, it isn't really a, a merit in your favor. Um, so I, I feel like it could be a very valid ending for them to be remembered poorly. Or not remembered at all. For having done something just, that was secretly... Or not yeah, remembered at all. Yeah, something happens that nobody sees. Yeah, that... Yeah, well, yeah I like guess the, that's the question the is... The kind of idea... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, interrupt go ahead. you, sorry. Oh, it's... <laughs> well, no, I just... I feel like, um... Uh, like the... The reward for them being that they are finally remembered as the heroes that the readers know them to be. It, it feels like that, since that is a reward, it then invalidates them the story of what you do in the dark so i like it's i think it would be a a valid and feasible ending for them to um stay in the dark like that yeah except that i mean like care uh, i don't think brienne would jamie might but not like enough like i mean like he's he's already bitter about it but maybe his story is to you know learn to be at peace with unless what that's other people the reward think of i mean that people mm. are no longer calling him kingslayer or thinking of mm. that and she's no longer got i think it has to rankle that people call her brienne the beauty and that she's got this history of torment i don't know chicky probably has more I was just going to say, I mean, the thing we need to remember is I don't think they could conceivably be forgotten since they've already got huge reputations at this yeah. point. I mean, yeah. Jamie's yeah. hugely legendary already. The Kingsley yeah. thing is, you know, beyond. So, and I, Brienne is pretty legendary, too. She's running into people who've heard of her already. And plus the stupid um, bear pit thing is even well known. So they're known <laughs> yeah. as a duo, you know. So, I mean... I, I don't think there's any, like, you know, future of being forgotten for them uh, as far as what the story will be. Who knows? Well, maybe they could die and nobody knows where they're at. I don't know. Something like that. Well, it's yeah. like Jamie has, you know, that two thirds of a page in the white book. And I think that's, you know, in my, you know, I've always kind of thought that, oh, maybe Jamie Lannister and, and Golden Hand the Just will be like separate in 
they'll be actually separate to history or to the you know to future history but you know maybe not maybe it's all all we ever know of all history ever knows of Jamie is whatever someone else writes in that mm. final two thirds of the book depends how how perverse George is <laughs> what he wants to do <laughs> but it seems like Archer. you know you know, their characters that have already, you know, it's sort of, you know, again, it, it makes me wonder, you know, just how important they are because George has already made a point of, you know, memorial, not memorializing, but, um, you know, putting them down into a book which has explicitly been there for, you know, thousands of years, essentially, and they're both already in it. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's already, like, they're already characters who are being remembered and his and made into like historical or legendary characters while they're still and you know again to chicky's point too like even though it's like just happened months ago like everything that they've done has already been like totally like um mis <laughs> misremembered you well, know like kinda, oh, I mean, well, naked in the bear pit and, and, you know. and bravos this stuff is getting there and it's now in art like people are writing fanfic and writing plays and shit i mean well, they're yeah. getting it all wrong well, or there's a political bent but it's it's the news is traveling well even like current events like there's so much shit happening right now in our current lives that you can't fucking keep up and there's stuff that's so major that you think would be like a big deal that like mm. two weeks later it's no big deal so maybe there's so much shit going on that like you know, I don't know. <laughs> like the bear pit is the, you know, <laughs> Tuesday's distraction. They'll just be little songs or something. But I mean, I think, I mean, I think they're going to play a big part. Like it would seem to lead that way. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I mean, it seems stupid. To, to, it just feels like a waste of, I mean, I guess he's wasted plenty of other characters too. <laughs> it feels like a waste of characters. When I think of all the other characters, he's wasted literally. <laughs> Well, I think there's characters that, you know, you know, Stannis, like, I mean, does anyone think Stannis is going to be in the end game versus the others? I mean, no. don't hurt me. Yeah, I mean, I've already <laughs> dealt with this whole thing today. Don't hurt me too much. Right. No, but I mean, you know, he's so clearly to me the, the person that like, he's the John the Baptist, you know, he's the guy that dies before, just before everything. Like, he's your last like guy. And then, you know, then it all happens. But Yeah, he seems like a good, like, they're kind of counting on him to be the great strategist. Like, team living is needs him, and then he dies at, like, the yeah. worst possible moment. Or, like, Egan, you know, like, there's just characters that, or, you know, frankly, all of the Martells or the Tyrells. I mean, they're like, there's those characters that, that... Extra. Like, they're there mm. to be cannon fodder. Like, Quentin Martell. I mean, I yeah, had no expectation yeah. that he was going to, it was going to end well for him. Yeah. Or even, you know, like the Greyjoys, like, well, I mean, probably not, well, probably not Euron. Euron, but, I think, is, is but like, fated to have a bigger part, but yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, Asha, for as much as we like her, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, there's other characters, but, you know, to the point, there's just, there's other characters that I don't feel like they almost have to be part of the end game where, that I that I feel that way about Jamie and Brienne. Yeah. Um, I hate saying this since I... No, th- go for it. I, I think was the most optimistic about Jamie surviving, but I feel like as far as, like, checking off people that have, like, completed their arc as being more likely to die, I think, like, I feel like Brienne has maybe some development left. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, like, you know, just to just to clarify, too, 
I think there's a distinction between making it and being part of the end game versus surviving after yeah. the end game. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I they could both, you know, wouldn't shock me if they're both dead, you know, before the very, you know, before the very end. Like, they, you know, they both don't make it to the final page. But I think, um, you know, maybe the last, like, couple chapters. I don't know. <laughs> I can't... Can you even imagine? Like, can you imagine uh, sitting down uh, and you're, like, five chapters from the end of A Dream of Spring? Like, can you... Yeah. I can't even, like, physically imagine what that would be like. Like, that's what an impossibility it is at this point. Like, it just seems like a, a dream. <laughs> a dream of A Dream of Spring. <laughs> that was the point all along. Yeah. <laughs> The dream of spring of the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, anyone else have any have anything to say about JB and the Endgame? It was nice to talk about them again. I've yeah. missed them. Yeah. No. Um, if we could cycle back to who we uh, think they should meet before yeah. they... Um, this isn't who I think anybody like is for sure going to meet or needs to meet for plot reasons, but I would really love a conversation between Brienne and Sam because they're like <laughs> perfect inverses of each other in terms of not being able to perform their gender correctly. Like in, in this universe. And I just, I feel like they would be such good friends and they could be really supportive of each other. And like, I just like, I, I, I would mean, love it if they could have a conversation. Interesting. Interesting. What an asshole Randall Tarley is, but <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like that would just be my dream. <laughs> Although I think Sam wins that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, come. I think you were going to get mail today. Yeah, oh, right. I had one more person. Oh, sure. Maybe I think you guys have talked about it before, but the Even Star is Brian going to see that? Oh, yeah. Do we sure. want her to. Oh. Well, and I think actually, like we're so we're so silly too. To, I mean, I'm silly to have, like, not even mentioned like the sim- the symbolism or the imagery of the even star and even fall mm-hmm. being, you know, Brienne's home too. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolism related to you know the long night and the dawn right there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I think we're gonna uh, we'll probably see him because the um. Isn't it mentioned that uh, somebody somebody landed there? Is it yeah. Yeah. landed there? Yeah. So he'll he'll have to come up eventually. Like it might not be that Brienne meets him again, but he'll. I don't know. I could see him like traveling to King's Landing or something as like a, a on like a business trip, political business trip. <laughs> of some like a kind. Host, as a hostage. I think he turns, yeah, especially if he has Targ blood. I mean, I feel like he'd be all in on Egan. <laughs> and then, you know, dooming himself, of course. <laughs> yeah, how do we feel like Brienne would react to him dying? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll die. Oh, <laughs> that would mess her up so much. So what's going to happen is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's yeah. That was my next one. Yeah. Well, I think it's. I don't. You know, she hasn't really had to question oh, that duty. And she'd of, be in charge, right? And but, she hasn't and really like, had to question the duty of herself as the, you know, as the heir of Tarth versus the duty that she took to the Starks. Yeah. I just want to book about mm-hmm. them. Screw the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. <sighs> uh. Like, do you almost feel like 
it would like lift a weight off of her, so like it'd be one less person to disappoint. No, I think oh, no. she would have like a huge oh. weight in terms of like having to provide, you know. No, guys, I thought of a terrible air, thing. etc. I thought of such a terrible thing. Okay, so if Lord um, Brienne's dad swears himself to uh, young Griff, then if he dies, and Brienne would feel like the need to be honor bound to like uphold that oath and like she'd be sworn to young griff too and then jamie would still be sworn to the, the lannisters on casterly rock and then they'd be on opposite sides yeah, and yeah but griff ain't gonna last that long i, I think he's <laughs> he's doomed pretty quick like that'd be an oath that'd be really easy to take because you could just assume it's not gonna go well for him <laughs> Sure, I'll, I'll pledge to you. Yeah, give me five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, comma. Do we have any? I think we've got a few pieces of mail. Yes, we do. Um, we got a Gmail. Who uh, she writes? Hi, ladies, and the occasional gent. Uh, I was going to wait until I'd completely caught up on the podcast. I'm so close. But I listened to the feminism episode as I was driving today and felt I had to send in some mail. The podcast was fantastic, but it was also a bit of slow torture for me because I wanted to contribute so badly. I'm a woman and a feminist and also a sociologist. And although gender isn't my specific field of expertise, I'm well versed in the literature. I thrive off these types of discussions so much, and I'm personally intellectually starved of them because the people around me are interested around me interested in the series are primarily show watchers. There's only so many times I can say the Jamie in the books would never do that, or that's not at all how Cersei is in the books before people start to tune me out. So finding this podcast was such a gem because I love all the com- all of your commentary and insight and find myself agreeing on nearly everything. Your criticism of the show is also very much appreciated by me, and not that I think you all would, but please don't ever stop. I don't think you have to worry about that. Um, (laughs) I especially appreciate your treatment of Cersei. I'm obviously, or maybe not so obviously, in love with your podcast because I'm a huge Jamie and Brienne shipper, but Cersei is my third favorite character after Jamie and Brienne. And I love how you all talk about her as the nuanced and complicated character that she is. I'm incredibly new to the fandom. I only started reading the books in November, but I'm on my second reread. (laughs) But I've noticed some toxicity exists in certain sections of the fandom concerning who ships who with Jamie. So it's really refreshing to me that this podcast never falls into degrading others. Keep up the good work. I'm actually disappointed that I'm almost caught up because then I'll have to wait for new episodes like everyone else. (laughs) All the best, Cynthia. (laughs) I feel like she gives at least me too much credit where Cersei is concerned. <laughs> well, I, I think we do. I, I mean, I've, she is a fascinating character. I think she's, I mean, she drives me nuts a lot. But, I mean, she is way more um, interesting than what we got on the show. So. Oh, yeah, for she's sure. Like, she's like A plus abnormal psychology, you know. <laughs> yeah. Material right there. Um, we also got uh, an email um uh, from someone who would prefer to remain am- anonymous. And um, she shared that she recently lost her husband um, quite unexpectedly. And she said um, the phrase, if I look back, I am lost resonated with her. Um, and she writes, here's what I think it means. 
If I think too much about what has happened, I will lose my mind. If I try to game out how things could have been different, I will lose my mind. If I don't keep putting one foot in front of the other, taking one breath after the other, I will collapse and I will die. And I, I, I and this is me now. I, I think yeah. that's a, a very good point. I mean, Danny doesn't, I mean, she, as bad as he was, he was her brother and he was her connection. I mean, she's lost Viserys. She's lost her husband. She's lost her baby. Mm. And that's a lot of loss. And she's got all of these people who are depending on her. And as much as I rag on her and I, I find the character annoying, I mean, I think there's something to this. Yeah, and I just think, too, it's so funny to have gotten, not funny, it's, but to have gotten that that particular email just the other day, because I, I don't know what made me, I was, you know, sometimes when you're, like, driving around, or you're taking a walk, your mind is just kind of flowing, and I was, like, thinking about, like, I don't know, I think about weird things sometimes, it's like, you know, what is really the purpose of, you know, why should we care about art and literature, like, actually trying to, like, come up with an answer to it. And, you know, I think this email kind of gives me the answer to it, which is that, you know, what it means to people or how it helps them, you know, through times in their lives or times, you know, just to have that mantra, you know, can be so comforting and and so important to someone. And, um, you know, it's not, yeah, you're not, you know, someone's not an engineer, they're not a scientist, but, you know, the value of being an artist really can't be um, devalued. Anyway, sorry. It was was just weird to like even be questioning that, and it's just um, yeah. I'm I'm glad that that phrase kind of does resonate for someone in you know an awful situation. And we also got we got two Tumblr messages. Um, The first one is, I love our greeting for men. Hello, ladies and occasional gents. Hey. Um, I really enjoy your podcast and always look forward to the next episode. Um, Regarding the Dead Ladies Club, uh, Tumblr blogger uh, Joanna Lannister has a thoughtful analysis of the Dead Ladies Club, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in the topic. Mm -hmm. So what I just did is I went on to Tumblr and I found the post, which is really good, and I reblogged it. So if you follow our Tumblr, which is close the door and come here at Tumblr, um, you'll be able to see that post, and I recommend it. That's me, cool. uh, not the person. Oh, and the um, the person who sent that in is Knight's Black Falcon. So thank you very much for the suggestion. Cool. And then our last one um, comes from Almo80, who was the one who sent a message last time and writes, hello, ladies and the occasional gentlemen. Thank you for answering my question last week. I'm in the middle of a rereading of the books, this time with pencil and paper at hand. It's incredible the amount of details you can find when you know what you're looking at. It feels like you're Hansel and Gretel picking crumbs of bread. In Storm of Swords, Arya Seven, just before the Hound kidnaps her, Thoros tells her, the werewoods whisper in her ear when she sleeps. Um, he's talking about the ghost of High Heart. Hmm. The next chapter is Jamie Six, the one of, um, that's the werewood dream. When you first read it, you don't know anything about the Werewood Net and its importance. I know this has been discussed hundreds of times, but I think between the dream and Brienne killing, and she writes Timian with a question mark, I think that's the right one, in front of a young werewolf, Werewood, 
the old gods have plans for them. I can't thank you enough for your work, giving a voice to all of us JB shippers. Love you all. Hugs and kisses. Yeah, I mean, I think like exactly what we were talking about yeah. earlier. Covered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except, you know, I, I think, you know, we didn't catch the weird, you know, the, the physical presence of the weirwoods there. So that's our mail. All right. Well, you we love getting mail. Um, you can reach us at closethedoorend at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on our Tumblr at Close the Door and Come Here. You can find us on Twitter at Door Podcast or on Facebook. Um, I can't pronounce the Russian name of our Facebook page, but it's <laughs> Close the Door and Come Here. Sorry, a little topical humor that I'm sure no. will be great in like three years. When close the door, come here. <laughs> in this podcast, Door, close you. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's been a long night. Um, <laughs> and um, we're getting some Russian iTunes reviews from uh, <laughs> with, from, from some, several bots. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can become our Patreon, become a sponsor of the podcast, and you get benefits like early episodes and just, you know, giving us money, which is always nice. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it is always <laughs> nice. But, you, know. you help support us in the yeah. costs involved with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if the Russian bots want to contribute, I'm sure rubles would also be fine. <laughs> I believe we also take end that. up on an FBI watch list. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we use our Patreon funds for hosting fees, and we have, you know, Lot has a gold-encrusted um, headset as well, so... <laughs> I can't wait to see. <laughs> Here's that. I mean, it seems right, right? Like, it seems like it's true. I feel like that's good enough. Um, anyway, I am closing the door. Get out. <laughs>